And this is a Good Story is Hard to Find podcast. Where two Catholic friends talk about the books and movies they love and the traces of the one reality that lie below the surface. Mm -hmm. And it's road trip time. Road trip. All summer. Summer. (laughs) It is summer. We we ought to go fishing. And nothing will happen while we're going fishing. I don't feel like fishing. (laughs) Let's just raise some hell. All right. Sounds good. Okay. All right. (laughs) Thelma and Louise. (laughs) <laughs> starring starring uh, Susan Sarandon, Gina Davis, and directed by Ridley Scott. In mm-hmm. 1991, this was released. Had you seen it before? Yes. So at some point, uh, I'm guessing I rented the VHS tape <laughs> <laughs> back then. Um, but yeah, I hadn't seen it since then. Okay. Yeah, and this was like... One of those um, movies that sticks with everybody. It's kind of like a, a watershed film or something. It's a movie yeah. that comes up in conversation sometimes. It's a cultural touchstone, I think. Yeah, yeah. And um, I had deliberately not seen it because, you know, practically the minute it came out, everybody knew about the ending of the movie. Mm-hmm. And um, and I and it was violent, and I, I didn't care for the whole idea of it. Mm-hmm. And then in these movie groups that I would do in the senior communities, there was a guy who was a true hardcore movie lover, and he requested it. And so I bit the bullet and did it. And I was like, "This is an amazing movie. So much in it, and it really does show how well Ridley Scott can direct." Hmm. Some. A lot of the time, <laughs> not all the <laughs> when he's, time. When he's not directing aliens, uh, when he's not directing prequels to aliens, prequels to aliens, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Such a wide range uh, of, of different types of films he's made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So he directed Alien and, uh, um, oh, what's the name? Prometheus. Of the, Prometheus. Yeah, Prometheus was the a prequel, but then. Um, the uh, Blade Runner. Sorry, that's oh, the one gosh. I was looking for, right? You're looking for good movies. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, that, that's how I know him, you know, because I'm a science fictionish person. And then, uh, but yeah, gosh, he's directed just a bunch of different things. And that's was what surprised me about Thelma and Louise, really, because I also knew of him from Alien and Blade Runner. And that was pretty much it. I had seen Matchstick Men, which I really like, which is set in the real world, normal a more normal movie about con men and Mm. um, some movies like that. But I hadn't really thought about his range and the sorts of movies that interested him. And I don't know. I just, this movie was interesting for not only its excellence, but for some of the big themes in it. And also society's understanding of those big themes, which I think is misdirected Mm. so i thought interesting Mm -hmm. today we're looking at a time period which is just like thelma and louise all the time i feel like in a lot of ways (laughs) it's just people who don't know what to do so they're doing something and it's often with terrible decisions being made maybe i'm thinking of public policy and Mm -hmm. uh russia and ukraine and i don't know Mm mm-hmm I feel like I'm in a chaotic time, and they're going through a chaotic time in their movie. So yeah, it just yeah. seemed appropriate to me in some way. Well, good. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I I liked it. Um, you know, I was I was listening a little bit. I, I listened to an interview of Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis. It was like the 25th anniversary of it. Oh, um, and uh, you know they were talking about you know this part was funny, this part was. I didn't find any of it really funny. <laughs> I don't know if you did. You know, some of it said you know that it was lighthearted, uh, and I guess in spots it was. But I, I, I was, I felt like it was serious all the way through. I, I, I wasn't really laughing. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know, so I guess you know people have different types of senses of humor, but. Um, there were some light moments in it, but it was, uh, yeah, it's it's a it's an intense movie, really. Yeah, there were touches of humor, I guess, and I think maybe some things were intended to be funnier than they might have seemed to me. Like, um, there's a part with a state trooper toward mm-hmm. the end. Yeah, I didn't. Fi- I just felt 
sorry for the state trooper. Yeah, um, I felt sorry for him too. And um, but yeah, he was like you know really tough one moment and then uh, just fell apart. Um, yeah, I didn't find that hilarious. <laughs> right, but I think mm-hmm. some of that is supposed to be funny. I think yep. some of the stuff with the truck driver, which we are totally going to talk about, mm-hmm. I think that's supposed to be really funny. Yeah. Um, but see, in the middle of the funniness, even in that scene, there are serious things being said and wound through it. So yeah. I think the lightness is just there to kind of keep it from being a total downer the whole time. Mm, sure. Yep. You know, right. <laughs> and Thelma and Louise are just... Uh, their dynamic is kind of that way. Sometimes it's light and fun, and sometimes it's like, what did you just do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. To, is, Thelma is, yeah, Jean, Gina Davis is Thelma. Right, okay. that's correct. Yep. I, I kept getting confused mm-hmm. who had whose name. Mm-hmm. But uh, not for any reason to do with the movie, just mm-hmm. my own confusion. <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so how, how should we proceed talking about it? You want to summarize it? Yes. Okay. So, um, Susan Sarandon plays uh, Louise, who's a waitress at a diner, and she is friends with Thelma, who is played by Gina Davis, who's younger than she is, and is a housewife. And not, it doesn't look like she's a very good housewife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, her husband is a huge jerk. And so their kind, their marriage is kind of a disaster. You see that first off, and they're just going to go on a, a road trip for, go away for the weekend. Somebody has a house in the mountains that he's able able to lend them for a little while, and they're going to go fishing and just get away from it all. And as they're on their way, a tragic thing happens that makes them. Um, Sets them on a path that turns them into outlaws. I'm just, you know, I think most people have heard enough about the movie. Does that yeah. is that telling too much? No, I don't think so. Um, but what it is, yeah. Oh, go ahead. The, the movie is really about uh, Thelma and Louise and their life as outlaws, really. Um, right. And um, that that first moment that shifts them to that, I think, is very commonly known. I would say. Mm-hmm. And so. Yeah, so it is about Thelma and Louise and their dynamic together as friends. And, you know, it's a road trip, excuse me, is always something that transforms somebody. Mm. And it's been used so many times. You got the Lord of the Rings, you've got, you know, sometimes it's a quest, sometimes it's just like this where you fall into it accidentally. But it transforms the characters. And by the time you're done with it, you should have discovered something new about the characters or they've discovered something new about themselves and you're watching and taking it all in. And that's what this movie does. Yeah. As we watch the, the terrible decisions they make <laughs> so many times yeah. and um, the kinds of people who help or hinder them mm. and how they uh, overcome or fall prey to them or whatever. And, what they reject and what they embrace. I mean, that's, of course, everyone's journey, but this is compressed. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, very good. Yep, and it's, uh, I would say, it's a contemporary film. I mean, oh, we're yeah. setting it in time. You know, it was it was set in 1991. <laughs> On the back roads. Yeah. Yeah. But it still feels fresh. It does. You yeah, know? you said that earlier, and I, I thought that was... Um, so well put, you know, because it wasn't until you said that, that I realized that, you know, and think about it as like, yeah, you know, some movies feel really dated, but this did not feel that way. I don't know why. Isn't that interesting? Cause it's like 30 years old now. Yeah. But you know? I think that Thelma and Louise, neither of them are, are what you call trendy in the moment. Hmm. Thelma, Del- I mean, uh, Thelma is young and she's wearing, you know, like, what probably was hip clothing in Arkansas, which is where they start out, but it was never really, I don't know. It wasn't like fashion model trendy. It was Hmm. like Walmart trendy. Mm -hmm. And so it's, you know, it, this clothing doesn't really matter that much. Yeah. It doesn't date you the way it could. Mm -hmm. Louise was never that way. She was always more conservative about everything. And the one thing that stands out about her is her car. 
which mm. is a convertible, a green convertible yeah. that she loves. So that kind of makes a statement about who she is inside because outside she is buttoned down. Yeah, I liked uh, when we see them pack at the very <laughs> beginning. It, yeah. It's showing their differences, you know. Um, Louise, Susan Sarandon is putting shoes in Ziploc bags, you know, it's very nice and neat. And then Gina Davis is like pulling drawers out and dumping it into a suitcase. <laughs> well, she's And also tosses a, a gun in her bag. Well, you know, <laughs> in case we need protection. Well, yeah. and, and, uh, while she's eating frozen candy bars from the freezer. Yes. <laughs> I mean, she's clearly so immature. Yes. Yeah. Even though she's a grown woman. And yeah, so, but going back to the dating of the movie, which I realized we kind of strayed off for a second, but all the places they're going are places that are still out there. Little hotels, little gas stations out in the country, Mm -hmm. you know, on the road to Oklahoma. We've seen these places and will again on different trips. So there's nothing that really dates it much. Very true, yeah. I do like those back roads drives. Yeah. yeah. I guess the one thing that the dates it is everybody's having mm-hmm. to use a payphone all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no smartphones or that anything. Is, which... That is something else, too. It, you know, I guess that does date it a little bit. But, you know, maybe somebody who isn't used to a world without cell phones um, would think, why don't they just call each other and uh, straighten some of this stuff out? But, uh, mm-hmm. no, you can't. You can't. You know? So, um, yeah, you got to wait till you find yourself a payphone. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how it used to be. <laughs> yeah. And it's not that long ago either. 1991. That's fun. I know. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, yeah, 30 years old, this movie. Yeah. The world's changed quickly, hasn't it? Boy, has it. Yeah. And not long before this, we, we didn't have Brad Pitt. Well, that was a dark time. <laughs> But luckily, this movie brought him to everyone's attention. Yes. <laughs> Even though he had a small part, he's mm-hmm. so memorable mm-hmm. that um, I have done this movie in the seniors' communities, as I was saying. And uh, the 80-year-old ladies in there are going, that's the one with that blonde guy, Brad Pitt. Oh, my gosh, I can't wait to see that movie again. <laughs> <laughs> the like, movie with the blonde guy, that's too funny. He makes an impression. How, that's just wild, you know, this being a... A feminist movie about women and what they remember is Brad Pitt. <laughs> well, ladies <Yeah>. are ladies. <laughs> oh, no matter fun. how feminist they may be. So let's get into, let's do. you know, yes. we started around probably things that everybody knows already since the mm. movie's old enough. But spoilers. So you're saying, you just said that it's a feminist film, and it is right. viewed that way, mm-hmm. which is one of the reasons I didn't want to see it. I was like, Ugh, I've heard this message before. <laughs> and people say it's got such a positive message for women. And after it came out, women all over the country went to see it and were like, yeah, Thelma and Louise. Do you feel that's accurate, that it's a feminist film? Yeah. Um, so here at the Wikipedia page, it is described as a 1991 American feminist female buddy road crime comedy drama film. How do you like that? They threw everything at <laughs> Where's so, the kitchen sink? I'm missing it. So, yeah. So, is it a feminist thing? Um, I think what it did is it um, it showed some of the difficulties that women have with men in our society. Because mm-hmm. there weren't a lot of positive men in this movie. In fact, I can think of really one being Harvey Keitel's character. Also Louise's boyfriend. Yeah, Louise's boyfriend. I was was uh, the next one I was going to go to. He he could be like a half a one, right? Yeah. Because even he threw a scary temper tantrum, even though it was brief. Well, I think the part of the problem is, is I saw that, but I kind of allowed it because for one thing, he didn't do anything but shove a bunch of stuff off the table. Very true. Yeah. He didn't direct it at her personally. Mm-hmm. He was expressing his frustration. Yeah. And, and she was out of there, you know, which uh, maybe gave me a feeling that uh, maybe it had happened before or something like that. She was like, well, I am leaving. You know, that's, I'm not even going to put up with this right now. 
So well, she, um, but she stayed the whole night there. She did. She sure did. Yeah. Well, I think um, for her, I think for her character and how she deals with men, you have to go much further back to the often brought up but never described experience in Texas. Mm, right. Clearly, she'd been raped. Mm-hmm. Clearly, she'd been ignored. Yeah. Clearly, she'd been treated as the person who brought on what happened to her. Right. And that affected her so much that she couldn't um, give her boyfriend, I don't know, give her boyfriend, she couldn't um, be fair to him. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter that he was asking her to marry him and she's like, oh, I wanted this for so long, but I can't have it now. Mm. It's that he did all these things without even asking her. He borrowed money from a friend. He flew up there to try, and he hates flying. He met her at the place. He asked her to marry him, but he didn't, he wasn't super pushy about it. Hmm. He just was like, here I am. I, I love you and I want you and all this stuff. He was being as available and helpful as he could possibly be to what I saw. Okay, yep. And so when I saw Mm -hmm. him shoving all that stuff off the table, I saw it. And maybe this is because this is how my husband expresses frustration. Now, he's older and calmer now than he used to be. Mm -hmm. But when he would totally lose it, he would throw something across a room. Mm. Like he would knock file, you know, the little uh, file holding things off of his desk. Or he would, um, he never picked up anything and threw it, but he'd do that kind of thing. He'd knock a whole bunch of stuff off a table because he was so mad. Mm. And he was instantly sorry about it. But that was his expression of being angry. So I just looked at that and went, that's exactly what Tom did. And he never acted in any way threatening to me or anything else. You just knew he was super pissed. And it'd be like, you know, I don't know, I don't throw Mm. things like that. But I slammed drawers in the kitchen Mm. and cabinets. Yeah, and I do, I do similar things too. Yeah, so I so think what I, I was doing, I was reading more into her reaction to him as like um, reading that there was something else in there. But you're right, her reaction is steeped in the things that happened to her in Texas. Yeah, and and maybe he's like that, but she never acted like, oh, and he's just as bad as your husband to Thelma. No, not at all. I mean, she she went to him when she was in trouble, all Mm -hmm. the things. And so, and it doesn't mean that maybe she hadn't seen that before. You could be absolutely right. I just looked at that and went, that's how she acts around. That's why she's so hostile to, and rightfully so, Mm -hmm. to the guy who was attacking Thelma. Yeah. But they were walking, as she said, they were walking away. She, he called her a bitch, and that bitch, that bitch word is the one. Go, oh, I'm sorry, we just lost our clean rating. It's, it's a quote from the movie, but he <laughs> said that to her, and that's when she shot him. Mm-hmm. So yeah. who knows when she'd been called that? But that word was a real trigger. Mm. And so, yeah, I just looked at all that okay. as after we saw that original thing, and her refusing to even tell. Thelma, what happened? And Thelma would be the most sympathetic person in the world, but she couldn't let any of it out because it had been so awful. Yeah, right. So yeah, so on the question of uh, feminism, um, oh, so golly. then yeah, if we yeah, even <laughs> if, if we even give you uh, so that you know there are two two good men in there, um, the rest of them are not, and it, it's sort of a a parade of men behaving badly and uh, the women having to deal with that. Um, so it was showing, it was showing us the way that women are mistreated by men. Um, and in that way, I would say that, yeah, it's a feminist film, um, in that, and that's what its perspective was. Yeah. And I agree. It it definitely has feminist elements like that, how women are treated by certain types of men and what it does to them. Mm -hmm. You just nailed it. And, but... I would say, ultimately, it's a statement about power. Okay. What mm-hmm. does... And so, <laughs> I've got two things I'm, I'm vacillating between, but basically, the power, by the, from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie, 
Thelma and Louise have taken power into their own hands. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't empower them. There's still yeah. violence. They're still having to escape. Mm-hmm. Um, they're acting to that truck driver. They're acting exactly the same as people have mistreated them. Yeah, I would agree. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean he wasn't a huge jerk. Right. But the way they treated him was bullying and violent mm-hmm. and mean-spirited. Because True. they felt they mm-hmm. had the right to do it because they were so aggrieved. Right. So, yeah. it's funny because when Susan Sarandon orig- originally read the script and did the movie, she felt like it was really um, just about like a Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid type story. Hmm. She saw it as except with women. Two yeah, outlaws I, on the I run. I see that connection too, especially the end. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, yeah, because Butch Cassidy, the Sundance Kid, really downplays whatever they did that caused the law to be on their tail. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. this we see much more of the nitty gritty of what's mm-hmm. going on. And then later, people started talking it, about it as a feminist movie. Just like, well, yeah, it does have a lot of that stuff in it too. So. Yeah, that's interesting. And then, uh, so yeah, from what Butch Cassie and the Sundance Kid did to get in trouble versus what these two did to get in trouble, um, you know, there was, there were, the audience would have had a lot of sympathy with Susan Sarandon in this movie, and, or Louise, right? Yeah. Um, and what she did. And then there was, after that happened, there was, okay, well, we can go to the police, but there was zero trust that they would make it through that, (laughs) you know, with anybody listening Mm -hmm. to their story and and things. And again, that might be from what Susan Sarandon went through in Texas. Um, but yeah, there there was just no trust at all. There were, um, you know, Louise was like, absolutely not. There's no way I'm doing this. Um, we are going to Mexico, you know? Um, yeah, and I just, you know, so I don't, it's really interesting on the power, yeah. So then they, they took power into their own hands. That's what Louise did. She was she was making the decisions based on what kept her in control. And uh, right. that's a super good point. And very gradually what you see happening is as they, as they make one misstep after another, you know, um, you're still on their side. You know, they're still sympathetic characters who you like. And so until up to the point when JD, AKA Brad Pitt steals all that money. And then Louise falls apart because her whole identity is based around being in control. We see that look at the apartment Yeah. before she leaves her apartment. She's washed and dried the glass. I mean, everything is just held down. And this has taken away any kind of control she's got, and she loses it. Mm. And that's when Thelma takes charge because she's got to do something. Now, yeah. Thelma being in charge is problematic because Thelma is just... <laughs> it is. Um, but, she's a loose cannon on deck, man. But her whole arc is really interesting because she did start mm-hmm. out so um, immature, like you said. Yeah, immature is the right word. So she started out so immature, but then as the time went on, and they almost were switching places. You know, Susan Sarandon was losing control, mm. and um, Gina Davis was gaining it. That's that's really interesting, um, but she she was definitely self assured. She was like, "Hey, I'm pretty good at this." <laughs> yeah, I think I found my calling. I think I found my calling, right? And that's Louise. I think maybe you have, and they just laugh. And that is yeah. one of those lighthearted moments, you know. It's mm-hmm. just like, well, yeah, she went, what you'd be good at is holding up convenience stores. Yeah, and that moment with the police officer in the desert um, mm-hmm. was like. It, that was Thelma's moment. She took control then, right? Because right. they were in trouble and uh, he had Louise in the car and it was going to, this wasn't going to end well. And rather than sitting there and whimper, which is what she probably would have done just a few days before, um, she just went over there and took care of it, you know? Um, 
Yeah. Yeah, she's more impulsive. Mm-hmm. But once her impulses are directed, and really, in a sense, JD's the one who directed her impulses yeah, by maybe. describing, here's how you rob a store yeah. or bank. That was probably the moment of her change right there. Yeah. yeah. And she took that as guidance when she's like, well, I don't know what else to do, but we do need money. Mm-hmm. I'll go in here and try this thing he said because she is impulsive. Right, right. But she made it work. Mm-hmm. And once it worked once, like you say, she just starts gaining in self-confidence. And because she's willing to just go with the punch, roll with the punches in a way that Louise has a harder time doing, um, she winds up directing a lot of what they do. And not in a bossy way, just in having the ideas about where to go or what to do. Yeah. I mean, she's the reason they go over the cliff at the end. Yeah, and isn't that fascinating? I mean, the, the whole discussion, it was a scene or two before that, where they're, uh, before they're being chased, that she talks about not being able to go back. She's yeah. just like, I can't go back to the life I had. I simply just can't do it. This has changed me. And doesn't that remind you of, of Frodo? <laughs> Frodo Baggins, you know, at the end oh. of Lord of the Rings, he's like, he goes back to the Shire, but he just doesn't even know how to be in the Shire anymore because he's changed. He's been so changed. And, of course, she feels empowered by it, but in, but she's empowered in completely the wrong way. Yeah, right. And Frodo has given everything, and he's not empowered. Yeah, he just doesn't know how to be. He right. just can't be there anymore. You know, it's just like, I don't belong here. You know, um, and that's, then he left. Well, so the other, so that leaves the question of, so, so, because she does say, I feel alive. I feel like I'm awake for the first time. She's really experiencing life. She's really just like herself. Mm -hmm. And um, she says to Louise, don't you feel that way? She's like, well, I am awake. I'm driving the car. You know, she's not (laughs) feeling that way. She's feeling torn in in different directions because she really understands what Harvey Keitel's character is telling her, which is you need to give up and come in and we can still try to fix some of this. Mm-hmm. And um, Louise or Thelma knows that, which is why Thelma's making her promise. You won't do what that guy says, right? <laughs> You'll stick with me, right? All the things. So she's adrift. Now, what would have happened if you have adrift Louise and then alive Thelma, and alive in the way that only violence seems to be, or, or I don't want to say violence, but see, they're drifting more and more and more toward violence. Mm-hmm. They start off, and they're doing things like, you know, she's robbing the store, but she would never hurt anyone. Right. And by the end, they're doing what they did to that truck driver. Where does this end? If you go to Mexico... Where men are definitely feeling more empowered than they do in 1991 in the U.S. Mm. and being more pushy about women. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't. I mean, don't mean to cast aspersions, but the cultural drift is definitely more male centric there. Right. Especially the places they'd have to hide out, which wouldn't be big city, you'd think. Mm. So, and which, and that could be the problem they'd have if they even wanted to bury themselves in a small town in, I don't know, Arizona or somewhere. I don't know. But, um, yeah. So, that sounds like a recipe for disaster also. And yeah. maybe not. <laughs> but watching this trajectory, you go, uh, maybe if there was no threat, they would just shack up with guys that they met who they fell in love with, marry them, whatever, just have their lives together as the two late. How are they going to have money? Mm. What are they going to do the first time they need money? Yeah. So yeah. you just look at this and go, this they have turned into outlaws. There is no going back. Mm. Yep, they've crossed that line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, where where do you belong now? Yeah, and it's the danger I think that's got Gina Davis, you know her um, her awareness, you know, and her feeling alive is. She's in danger, you know, all the time now. Right. Yeah. Well, and and you can't blame them for not going to the police because in 1991, well, even now it's better. But Mm. 1991, it was pretty much what they were describing. Yeah. You don't get a Harvey Keitel coming along every day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know. Yeah. 
They're going to blame the victim. Well, in fact, even Louise says, if you hadn't been having so much fun, none of this would have happened. <laughs> Thelma's like, you're blaming me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course, at that point, they're both traumatized, so. For sure, for sure. Anyway. Yeah, and there there wasn't a moment where um, Louise or Thelma blamed Louise, I don't think. I don't recall one. Mm-mm. Well, she, no, because even when she's saying, I wanted to go to the police, but you're right, that would have been the wrong thing to do. She's, you know. Yeah, because Louise is the one who shot the guy. <laughs> right. You know, they could have just turned around and walked away. Well, they would have found her record from Texas. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know what happened in Texas. Mm -hmm. If she was completely a victim or something else happened. I mean, and I don't mean completely a victim. I just mean whether she had to do something to extricate herself from whatever happened. Um, Yeah. Like shot somebody, hit them with a bowling ball. I don't know. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But yeah, the reason she doesn't want to go back to Texas isn't because she just hates the state. It's because she doesn't want to come into contact with the state law, I think, Mm. troopers there. Right, right. So, um, I have brought up Truck Driver several times. So, while we're talking about all this, Mm -hmm. shall I? So, thanks to Rose's movie knowledge, uh, there's a thing in movies, and I can't remember if we've talked about this before, called a 3B. A 3B, okay. A 3B. So, that's when something happens three times in a movie. Oh. And each time, the people around it react differently. Okay. And this happens to show development or to stress a situation. So, the trucker is a 3B. Mm. So, each time, they're acting differently. So, they go by him once, and they're like, ooh, ooh, you know, and they try to, you know, um, they're, they're horrified, they're grossed out, they go by him, and they're, ugh. The second time, they just ignore him. Mm-hmm. But they're hardened to it more. They're not disgusted. They know what they're going to find. I mean, they are disgusted, but they know what they're going to find. And um, they're just like, oh, I hate this, but I'll put up with it. And then the third time, they go, let's let's take care of this guy. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And they actually stop and respond to him and lure him on. So they deliberately entrap him. And... They give him their, you know, they talk to him. And what's interesting is he doesn't understand at all because he's, he's not a big thinker. He has one thing on his mind. I love that when he's getting out of the cab, he takes off his wedding ring. Like that would make a difference. (laughs) (laughs) You're married. Mm -hmm. We won't do it. Um, Mm. And uh, he can't believe how lucky he is. I'm sure. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so, um, all he can think about is the one thing, which is great. Where are we going to get it on? And he's not smooth. And they're talking to him about how they feel. And they're like, when you do that stuff, it's gross and disgusting. And stop and think every woman is someone's mother, sister, or wife. And that is one of the touchstone moments in the whole movie. Mm. Because everybody watching that movie from whatever attitude they've had about the whole thing, needs to take that away from it, right? Yeah. yeah. The next time they see somebody on the TV news who's been attacked, the next time that um, it happens to someone they know or whatever, they need to remember that. Or if you're in a... I, I don't know if you're a man, how you... I mean, I always assume most men aren't like this. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> but... Everybody should keep that in mind. And so he doesn't listen at all. Yeah. So then they're so frustrated and they take total control. Mm -hmm. They shoot out all his tires, which is bad enough, and then they blow the truck up. (laughs) Yep. And blowing that truck up, that's the line. I mean, everything they're doing with the trucker is going over the line. But when they blow that truck up, that's the declaration. Mm. We're outlaws. Yeah, yeah. And there is no good ending anymore. They've just taken that away. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, but you're right. The the truck driver wasn't listening at all to what they were saying. Um, it wasn't sinking in at all. <laughs> um, but that, that I love that line that you said. 
um, you know, the being a touchstone of the movie. Remembering that women are just remembering that women, who women are, you know, that, uh, you know, there's somebody's mom, somebody's sister, somebody's wife, you know, and they're people. They are. Yeah. They're not just an object. Mm-hmm. And so the truck driver and I can't remember the, who the guy is at the beginning, but you know, the, the rapist, the would be rapist at the beginning, mm-hmm. Harlan. Right. I get, no, is that Harlan? Yeah, it was anyway, Harlan. Yep. Uh, they both are just thinking of the women as things, objects of their desire. And neither of them listens. They're only thinking about what they want. So at the end, that, that talking, you don't know if the truck driver had actually listened. If that would have done anything, I doubt it. Mm-hmm. Because they deliberately picked someone who wasn't like that, who wouldn't listen. Mm. She could have talked to Harvey Keitel on the phone all day long about that stuff, and he'd have been going, I hear you. But it was their statement. It's the statement they were making to everybody who was like that. The first one was desperation. The last one was deliberate. Mm. And I think that's where the people watching the movie who talk about it being empowering, I think that's what they're talking about. But they're not taking control of their own destiny. Well, they are in that sense that they're saying goodbye to the civilized world. They're a law unto themselves now. Yeah, that's something. But they can't, mm-hmm. yeah, they're, they've cut themselves off from everyone at mm-hmm. that point. Yeah. You know, another movie that this made me think about that we've watched on this podcast is Hell in High Water. Yeah. You know, it just reminded me of it, you know, but that one was a Brothers. And then this one is, you know, female friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting contrast between those two as well. But you're right. I mean, for them, there was also this line crossing. Um, and one of the brothers was uh, crossed it uh, way too far and kind of drug his brother along in a way. Right. Um, when he went too far. Right. Um, but yeah, That's I don't know what the point of bringing that up. It's just a similarity. <laughs> But uh, it is another pair of people that are crossing lines. Well, and I think when we watch movies like that, then we're, of course, we're not those people. We're not that Mm. extreme. It's a story, and Mm -hmm. it's extreme for a reason. Mm -hmm. But it does make you stop and take some of those things into your own life. You know, when is it okay to steal from a big company, Mm -hmm. like a bank? Yeah. That's, I mean, who didn't do anything illegal. What they did wasn't really maybe ethical, but it wasn't illegal. That's the hell or high water. Mm-hmm. What is? What are you justified in doing? And their path of violence also increases. Yep. And then Thelma and Louise are justified in protecting themselves. Mm-hmm. And Thelma is traumatized, and she shouldn't have killed that guy. They were walking away. But, however many bad decisions were made on the spur of the moment... Look where they wound up making deliberate decisions. Yes. That were just as bad mm-hmm. or worse. Or worse, right. Yep. And then they got to, to a point of no return where they couldn't, there's nothing. They right. were They were eliminating their choices. <laughs> Narrowing yeah. their possible choices. Yeah. Yeah. Which well, is it's not like, empowering. It's the opposite. We've chosen this. We're all in. Yeah. We're just going to be who we are now. Yeah. And then the the canyon narrows and narrows and narrows until there's nothing left. Yeah, there's the cliff. But see, they and of course it's that thing of um, you brought up Saint Monica earlier. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so there always is a choice. Now in these movies, they're making a point. They're telling us. They're teaching us something. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yep. That we're supposed to take away and go. I should not make these decisions. I should, you know, who, who, who does this change you into when you're making these decisions and doing these things? Um, and is this the person you want to be? And what does empowerment mean? Because the, that's not empowered when you feel like the best choice is to commit suicide. Mm. I don't care how glamorized it is. They're committing suicide. Yeah. Right. And so, there, and you know, I know this sounds like the biggest, you know, and come to Jesus, but there is always another choice. Sometimes you have to take the punishment for what you've done. 
And that's the better way. And so when you brought up Monica and Augustine, I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> They're not exactly parallel, but Augustine was the bad boy, essentially, who was always on the run, who always said he was looking for the truth and wanted, you know, essentially spiritual empowerment. You know, how yeah, do I know what's yeah. right? How do I know what to do? Mm. But he was always choosing the wrong thing and living the wrong way and doing all the wrong stuff. And then you have Monica, his mother, who was following him from place to place. And of course, you could look at that as the world's biggest nag, but she's <laughs> the world's biggest loving mother who never gives up. Mm-hmm. Who eventually, it works. Yeah. Well, yeah. Saint Monica. I mean, we we said a prayer at the beginning, um, right before we were doing this, which is just about her. You know, she uh, perseveringly pursued her wayward son, and not with wild threats, but with prayerful cries to heaven. And um, the fact that these two didn't have any of that guidance is, um, you know, it's telling. So. You know, there was nobody, nobody there telling them that you know, hey, you are narrowing your choices. You know, it's um, you know, the thing well, is like the Keitel Ten Commandments. Was. What's that? Harvey yeah, Harvey Keitel was. was. He was trying. You're absolutely he right. He was the Monica. Yeah, he was the Monica in the story. <laughs> in the right. scenario, he was he was the loving uh, friend. That's right. Brother. Uh, That's right. I won't say loving father, but um, I was yeah. just thinking of the fact that. Um, just just to get super Catholic on the whole thing, this is us, thank God, right? Mm-hmm. We keep making bad choices, making bad choices, making bad choices. God's out there continually calling us up going, hey, by the way, look, this is still all right. You can <laughs> still pull back from this. Okay, yeah. well, now you've done that. Now that's, we can still work with it. Up to the very end, there's always a chance. Mm-hmm. I realize that's rather heavy-handed, but it just kind of came to me. <laughs> no, but it is. I mean, that's right. And um, I know that there are a lot of people that see, you know, religion as a bunch of rules that are constricting. But they're actually, mm-hmm. it's the opposite. It's like, this is advice for how to live a good life. And if you do these things, your life will be good. You know what I mean? It, You'll it's be just, happy. Yeah, you're going to be happy. You're going to... You're gonna, uh, you know, the, the Ten Commandments, we talk about Ten Commandments and sin and guilt and all this stuff. Um, and people talk negatively about those things. and um, But the truth is, it's exactly the opposite. It's freeing. Um, and in society, if we just take society too, um, we, we have a lot of these rules, you know, so that we can live with each other. Um, so, we don't break them so that for the goodness of everybody... <laughs> You know, not uh, because that's constricting to us. Um, and I think that that is a misunderstood thing about power as well. Mm. Um, amongst uh, men and women, I would say. Um, these women, too, if, you know, if it's power, they're trying to control their lives, but they're not really in control of that. Um, they're in control of their choices and how they react to life. But their actions, like you said, are not freeing. What they're doing is the exact opposite. They're constricting. And eventually, um, the end comes. So, the end for them was either going to be we're going to jail or, um, I mean, they picked a choice. But, you know, there's always those choices. And like you said, you know, paying for what they have done is part of it, part of redemption, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, But at the same time, we can feel bad about how they were in that situation in the first place. Yeah, yeah, we can, and and I would say um, today there's much more of an understanding. Thirty years later, and this movie is probably a big part of kind of waking people up to that. I think so too. I think that's is, probably why it was a touchstone. Yeah, yeah. That you don't don't blame the victim. Mm-hmm. You know, they they maybe made some terrible choices, but because somebody else decided to take advantage of that yeah. in a very selfish and cruel way. Don't blame the person who was in that situation right. for whatever reason. Yeah, um, if, if they had felt comfortable going to the police and with a reasonable chance that they were going to be heard, that may not have ended that way. Right. Mm-hmm. And based on what the uh, cocktail waitress was saying in the parking lot, 
chances are around there, they might have been listened to because it sounds like everybody knew this guy was always after the mm. ladies. And you might have had other people coming forward saying, oh, yeah, he attacked me too. I just didn't tell anyone. Yeah. But they don't know that. So they're unwilling to trust. And mm. there are reasons to be unwilling to trust. And that's where it's hard because um, you have to kind of meet people where they are. And I'm not talking legally now. I'm thinking of, you know, faith and mm. God and and just people. I mean, in families with friends. Yeah. Th- think how gentle God is with us. How many things he forgives and overlooks. An so that we can come list. to a place where we listen. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we often are not willing to do that with other people because we're like, well, we can see it very clearly. Mm-hmm. Come on, get with the program. What's the problem? Yeah. Well, kind of Thelma and Louise are kind of those people of one horrible surprise happens and they, they do the wrong thing on impulse, spur of the moment, and then make bad decision after bad decision. They're continually trying to get a handle on what's going on. Mm-hmm. But they're not doing it well because they're not prepared for that situation. And how many of us are not prepared for the surprises we get in our lives? And that can be something as simple as somebody cutting you off in traffic. Hmm. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's a very small example. Sure. Yeah. And they're living a big example because most of us don't have big examples. But at some point, all of us have big surprises happen. Yeah, no question. <laughs> so true. I mean, that that's absolutely so. It is. Yep. And how we react. I mean, that's what formation of conscience is, right? Right. It prepares us for those things. And our reaction, I mean, it's preparing us for unknown things. Um, but, yeah. but we hope that we have the right reaction. All mm. those little decisions day after day after day yeah. are the ones that sink in and become the bedrock. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely right. Well, I'm certainly crossing my fingers hoping for it. <laughs> Trying to make more good decisions than bad ones and hoping those are the ones that stick for when I'm sure, you yeah. know, in that situation. Yep. Hopefully not that situation, but aren't we all? <laughs> <laughs> aren't we all? Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Um Yeah. And hoping our our decisions don't lead us to a place where there is no decision. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, even mm-hmm. though there was decisions, they, they just made that decision at the end. They didn't have to make that decision, but they did. No, but again, mm-hmm. it's that thing of um, Louise was so used to having a minute to stop and think and figure something out. And mm-hmm. we see her panicked after she shoots the guy. Well, let's just go somewhere where I can get out of the car mm. and think, and I'll figure it out. Now, let's just go to a hotel room where I can lie down for a minute and think and figure it yeah, out. Yeah, that's a good point. That's that's right. That's a, that's her character, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then they've got all those police cars behind him. Harvey Keitel's going to get on the bullhorn and you know try and talk him down, even still. And uh, she just she's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do, you know. And once again, there's Thelma. With her impulsive, let's do this. <laughs> it's the exciting thing to do. Yeah. Wow. And she's never, yep. she's lived her whole moment impulsive, her whole life impulsively. Didn't she mm. say they got, did she get married when she was 16? Yeah, I think she maybe 18, but yeah. 18, and they've yep. been dating four years. The only girl, yeah, the only guy she'd ever been with. and Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so she was a real piece of work. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. Yep. He was terrible. (laughs) He's what a, oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. They kind of, well, you don't want to say they deserved each other, but both of them were just spinning from emotion to emotion to emotion. They were really the opposite of somebody like Louise, Mm -hmm. who was really buttoned down with her Ziploc bags and everything. And her clean apartment and all that. And she's and she's so motherly, trying to help other people, you know, with it. Well, girls, you really shouldn't smoke at the diner. Yeah. And then you have th- those two who just go from thing to thing to thing. Mm. What makes them feel good? The frozen yeah. candy bar for breakfast. <laughs> the husband staying out so wow. late, on a, always on a Friday night. Yeah. Um, this really is a good script, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's really well put together. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think it did win uh, Best Screenplay um, that year. It did. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it did. But, yeah, well done. So, how would this movie be different if it was made today? That's a good question. It's 30 years old. Yeah, it's 30 years old. Um, What would be different? Because I feel like the issues that they're talking about are very much more in the spotlight. And it's almost Mm -hmm. like um, general knowledge or, um, you know, the whole Me Too and... Uh, yeah. Everything, you know, it, you know, men are bad is kind of a really popular thing right now. Mhm. Um and some of us are. So <laughs> well. I try not to be myself and I think that there's some <laughs> other people do too. It's like they're hearing but we're, you know, um uh, that's the trouble when you lump people in groups. Um Well, yeah, it's mm-hmm. the whole thing too of the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Mhm. So there's, um, maybe that's not the right saying, but it's, you know, the attention's always given to the loudest person in the room. Mm-hmm. And when someone's done something bad and enough people have popped up with this because suddenly everybody's brave enough to say whatever, well, then everybody gets tarred with the same brush. Yeah, right. Right. So, you know, how would that change a story if it was written today? I think one of the reasons that it feels fresh is because maybe um, this feels current. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And I was just, uh, I don't know, I was just imagining that, um, you know, there would have been more conversation between Harvey Keitel and Louise, maybe, mm. with the communication ability that we have today anyway. Um, but... Um, but yeah, I don't know. What What are your thoughts? Do you have anything in mind when you ask the question? Well, I was just thinking <laughs> the way we kind of had this Victorian mindset of every story has, you have to be told what the point moral of the story is. Mm. I was thinking there would have been more overt moralizing in speeches. Ah, uh, okay. Instead of letting us kind of see it unfold and and having that one thing at the end about every woman is someone's mother or sister or wife. Yeah. Um, that would have been several angry speeches from somebody to somebody else throughout the movie. Mm. Gotcha. I mean, as mm-hmm. it is, I was impressed when uh, Brad Pitt is in for questioning and Harvey Keitel says, how do you feel or do you think that these two women would have had to rob a convenience store if you hadn't stolen this money from them? Hmm. And he wants to ignore it, but he's like, well, yeah. Mm -hmm. And what Harvey Keitel does is so subtle. He can tell this guy he's a con artist, but he's not at depth a, a bad guy. He's, just taking what he thinks he can off the surface. And so he now understands there's more to what he does than just stealing from a couple of women. Mm-hmm. You're responsible for helping them down this path. Yeah. And isn't that a, an example of your sin affecting other people in yeah. unknown ways, you know, which, which we're told, you know, as right. Catholics, you know, you don't know what this is, the ripples in the pond that this is causing. Um, when that's you do a that. good point. Mm-hmm. Well, and also, I'm just now thinking because he's also in contrast with. Um, so he gave um, Thelma a night of extreme pleasure. I'm sh- I'm assuming himself also. <laughs> um, that's part of making the crime as pleasant as possible. Yeah, and uh, took the money, but he didn't wish them any active harm. He was being selfish, but he wasn't being selfish at their expense. That he actually new in that way Mm. so he's a real contrast in that sense to um harlan Mm. he's like i will have what i want from you and if i have to hit you and take it by violence i will yeah you feel like jd would never have done that Mm. he would have just slid out and looked for another way yeah and so he may be the person who something like this may help him to eventually be a better person Mm. Maybe he'd leave him some of the money instead of mm-hmm. taking all of it. That doesn't mean he's a great person. 
but it means it's a step yeah. on the road. Fascinating. Yep. That's good coming out of bad. Another thing that we're talked about as Catholics, mm-hmm. you know, it's not that God is making bad things happen, <laughs> but things yeah. can come out of that that uh, are good. Right. Mm-hmm. Because the husband's never going to change. Yeah. Um, Harlan's chance has been taken away from him. And uh, mm-hmm. this guy maybe has a chance. Right. Interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. interesting. So, you know, just thinking about the suffering of Thelma and Louise both, you know, what good could have come out. Had they not made the decision they, they made, I mean, there was no chance for them to it to be corrected, but... You know, um, Harvey Keitel was certainly on their side. And that, that's an interesting thing that you point out, too, that um, Harlan was known in that area to be the way he was. And they might have been believed, you know. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's somebody not trusting and not having the full picture, um, which we can't have, right? But it was right. a it was a non trusting of the actual people that they would have had to deal with. Um, there was just no trust there that that was even a possibility, um, especially by Louise because of her past. Um, yeah, but so. again, we, you know, we we all act in a way we act in ways that we don't know all the facts all the time, right? We just right. do because we just don't. You know, only God has the full picture. Right, and so that's where. I guess we sound like um, broken records, but you know, that's Mm -hmm. where, what do you put your trust in or who do you put your trust in? It's not what, but who? Mm -hmm. So the law has failed Louise. She's remade her life. Here she is again. She hasn't learned trust along the way at all. You know, she's made friends and she, she has her boyfriend who she keeps at arm's length. And she said she wants to get married but he never got to the point of asking her until it was too late. Yeah. Essentially. But <laughs> it's it's the thing of in our own lives, who do we trust because there's only one trustworthy person. Hmm. And I'm talking about God, of course. Yeah, right. Everybody is uh doesn't have the full facts or has a past that we don't know. And even your nearest and dearest um surprise you sometimes with what they say or do. And I don't mean it necessarily in a bad way. It's just, we think we have it figured out. We don't. Mm-hmm. And, um, you have to, as you said, you have to kind of be ready for that. Not, not always on your guard, hmm. but just, you know, through the way you live so that you can try to understand and, and move forward and everything. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's you have to have something higher and deeper than the average man, let's say, or woman. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And she didn't yeah. have any of that. Right. And what and what Thelma had was Louise. That was her higher power. The older, smarter woman, you know. Yeah. With the car, not not hampered by the the jerk husband. Yeah, she was a role model for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very interesting. So, um, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about our next movie and okay. uh, how y- you do. said that there's a connection here and, and uh, what are we <laughs> going to talk about? So, mm-hmm. we are going to switch up our schedule a little bit in order to do a movie that I think is a really interesting one to contrast and compare with this. And that is... I think it was from the 1950s, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, mm. which is a musical starring Jane Russell and Marilyn Monroe. Nothing could seem further away from Thelma and Louise than this movie where um, one person is interested in having fun with men all the time and the other one is just trying to get a millionaire to marry her. And... Uh, it has come up as a very surprising, lately, iconic woman woman's movie that feminists push. 
So keep that in mind when you watch oh, it because I mm-hmm. read that and I was dumbfounded. Hmm. It's there, but you have to really look. And so I think, for one thing, it is a super fun light movie after this. And the other thing is looking at two best friends, two women who are best friends, and they have both separate and similar missions. Mm-hmm. So Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to that. I have yeah. not seen that one. Gentlemen oh Prefer Blondes. What a treat. <laughs> well, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Well, wonderful. Is there anything else you'd like to say about this one? No, I don't think so. All right. Okay, well, we're really looking forward to uh, uh, next couple weeks. We'll see some Marilyn Monroe and some, uh, was it Mansfield? Jane Russell. Jane Russell. Sorry, Jane Russell. That's all right. <laughs> okay. She she's a big hearted person. She's just she's fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I'm looking forward to that. And thanks for this yeah. movie too. It was fun to revisit. Um, yeah, I do, I do think it's a very uh, serious movie. It says comedy, like I said, but I wasn't laughing very much. <laughs> but, no, but it's uh, yeah. a rich drama. I think is. is how I would describe it. Agreed. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. Well, right. I'm glad you. I'm glad you liked it. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed watching it and talking yep. to you about it. And I'm really, really looking forward to the next movie. See what we come up with between the two. <laughs> All right, wonderful. Okay. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, I'll talk to you in a couple weeks. All right, bye-bye. bye bye. Bye. Bye.